That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Friday, excuse me, Thursday, Thursday, February 16, 2023. It's about 1.35 in the afternoon. Scott Ritter joins us now. Uh, Scott, you have been telling us and you have been saying in a, a number of venues that the Ukrainians should expect an overwhelming uh, Russian force. How overwhelming, how soon, and from what direction? Well, we'll start with how overwhelming. Um, basically, the Ukrainians are going to get swamped. Um, they, they don't have a chance. There's there's no there's nothing they can do to stop this. They have insufficient resources uh, across the board, and um, it's I mean it's going to be bloody fighting. The Ukrainians have shown themselves to be tenacious defenders, but um, it, it it's over. Um, when's it happening? It's happening right now, literally right now as we speak. Uh, the Russians are preparing the battlefield. They are launching a number of of reinforced probes. Uh, that have made considerable advances uh, that are causing the Ukrainians to commit what few resources they have to plug the holes. And in doing so, they're creating additional opportunities so that when the final green flare is fired and the Russians approach the forward edge of the battle area, uh, they will do so in a location the Ukrainians are incapable of stopping. And then it begins. Is is this the... And I think these are your numbers, uh, Scott. And and uh, if I remember them and state them correctly, I believe that Colonel McGregor agrees. Is this the three hundred thousand to five hundred thousand additional troops, many of whom are veterans, many of whom are uh, what we would consider national guard, so they're trained. Some of whom are conscripts, some of whom are reluctant conscripts, but all of them are trained. They're not taking people off the streets and putting them on the battlefield. Well, actually, there won't be any conscripts on the front line. Um, you know, the, the, the conscripts only constitute a minority of the uh, Russian army, and they're going to be doing rear area support. The frontline troops are going to be exclusively volunteers or contract soldiers. Um, of the 300,000 were mobilized, 80,000 of the most experienced individual replacements were sent to the front lines to plug the gaps. So you have about 220,000 who have received the, the organized unit training, the formal unit training in battalion brigade level, plus another 180 to 200,000 volunteers similarly incorporated. Uh, and yes, these are the ones that are, that are appearing right now. I mean, there's been satellite photographs that have shown these forces uh, accumulating alongst the border in these massive camps. And those camps are starting to empty, which tells you they are moving towards the, uh, towards the front line and they will, um, they will be committed where the Russians think. I think the main effort is probably going to come um, from the north. I think the Ukrainians have uh, have not not Kiev north, but Kharkov north. I think the Ukrainians have uh, 
stripped away their resources there. And it's they are the ones now that have overextended defensive lines with no depth. And I think the Russians are going to come sweeping down. And uh, we'll see. I mean, you know, I my crystal ball, um, you know, is what it is, a crystal right. ball, which means it's useless. Uh, so. well, well, no, it's not useless. These are educated and, and sometimes informed by sources, I would imagine, um, uh, predictions that you make. Is this going to be just a massive, continuous onslaught, almost the physical infantry equivalent of American carpet bombing uh, at the end of World War II that won't stop until it succeeds? Well, it won't stop until it succeeds. Um, it, it will be a grinding, uh, massive operation along the totality of the line, and the Russians will um, take what they have earned. Uh, they're not going to overextend themselves. They're not going to try and bite off more than they can chew. They will push forward, and as the Ukrainians either crumble or retreat, the Russians will fill that gap in a very methodical fashion. Is there anything that the uh, Americans... Uh, well, the Biden administration, the American government can do at this point to prevent, resist, or repel an invasion as massive as you expect? No, they, they can't. They Look, they, they gave it their best shot this past summer where they injected tens of billions of dollars worth of equipment into uh, available Ukrainian reserves. They reconstituted them into functional um mechanized cores, and they were committed to an offensive in the Kherson and Kharkov region, which um, seized some territory, but the reserves were destroyed, and the Ukrainians have not been able to reconstitute those reserves, and they're not going to be reconstituted in a timely fashion. I want to play for you uh, a clip, which is just two days old, uh, in Brussels. It's your friend, the Secretary of Defense, who obviously disagrees with what you just said, but I, I'm dying to hear your response to it. Secretary of Defense Austin. Ukraine has been at this for a year, and so they have used a lot of artillery uh, ammunition. Uh, we're going to do everything we can, working with our international partners, to ensure that uh, we get them as much uh, ammunition as quickly as, as possible. What are, what are we giving them that can help them? It's it's of no value at this point. Well, I mean, the bottom line is this. Um, and, and, and I hope everybody understood the despair that was in his uh, voice. This was not the words of a confident man. This is the dejected words of a man who realizes the game is over. We're out of ammunition. And what he told Zelensky in Ramstein on Valentine's Day was, you're going to run out of ammunition sometime this summer, and we don't have anything left to give you. We're going to try, but we don't. And let me tell you what happens when you run out of ammunition in war. Ah. You die. It's okay. over. That's why I'm so confident in my assessment. They are going to run out of ammunition. I mean, even if they had ammunition, they were going to get beat. But they're going to run out of ammunition. And when that happens, it is game, set, match, goodbye. There's nothing that can be done to stop the Russians. Okay, so let me tell you how correct you are. Before the same audience, but the day before, the Secretary General of NATO, Mr. Stoltenberg, said the following. The war in Ukraine is consuming an enormous amount of ammunition and depleting allied stockpiles. The current rate of Ukraine's ammunition expenditure is many times higher than our current rate of production. 
This puts our defense industries under strain. I guess he's right, but uh, but uh, the Secretary of Defense chooses to ignore this. I mean, this is basically what you have been telling us for 11 and a half months now, isn't it? Yeah, this, this was a knowable. I mean, this isn't... First of all, I, I will tell you this, and I will put my entire reputation on the line here because I know this to be a fact. They knew this back in September. Oh. They knew this back in September. Well, back then, when, they've, then they've killed innocents knowing that this would be a failure and wasted $50 billion, borrowed American dollars knowing it would be wasted. They, they knew, Look, the, the offensive that took place in September was the, the only chance Ukraine had at winning the war, and it was no chance at all. Uh, because the Russians literally uh, gave up territory for lives and killed the Ukrainians coming in. No one's talking about it. They destroyed the reserves. And in doing so, they exposed the reality that Ukraine doesn't have the ability to content to sustain this fight. And the weak link is artillery. When the Russians are bringing, you know, 20, 40, 60,000 rounds a day and Ukraine is firing six, eight, 10,000 rounds in return and Ukraine can't sustain that and Russia can. And I've said this to you from day one. That's the reality of this war. And you know who agrees with me? The commander of American forces, of allied forces in Europe, uh, General uh, Kaboli, I think his name is, he, he spoke in Sweden last month and he basically said, what's going on in Ukraine today is of a scope and scale beyond anything NATO is capable of doing. We that can't is, fight that fight and because that it's an artillery fight. That is basically just what Secretary General Stoltenberg said. He yeah. said Ukraine is consuming not twice as much, not three times as much, but many times as much. So it's got to be four or more that we, as what we can possibly produce. Sooner we or produce 100,000 rounds a month. And Ukraine wow. uh, will will uh, will consume 110,000 rounds in about uh, seven days. All right. So, it's, so you know. sooner or later, they, the Ukrainians, and we, NATO, will run out of ammunition. We already are out of ammunition. We had a, a million rounds uh, reserve, and it's gone. We're now dipping into the reserves we gave Israel. But remember what I said. We had a million round reserve. It's gone. Now we're going to Israel and we're taking a quarter of a million rounds there that are the Israelis' reserves and our reserves in case of a Middle East contingency, and we're going to give it to the Ukrainians, and they're going to chew through that. In, um, in, 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 like I said, by, the, by, by summer, everything will be gone, and there's no ability to reconstitute. Defense industries can't catch up. They run out of ammunition, and they all die. That's right. just the reality. So I understand uh, the quarter of a million rounds for Israel is our stockpile reserved for Israel or us clawing back what we've already given to the Israelis? No, Israel has allowed us to uh, forward deploy um, emergency stocks of munitions um, that Israel could draw upon in case of a major war or we could draw upon in case of a major war. So it's a sort of a joint reserve. And Israel has agreed to release these stocks uh, to go to Ukraine. Is there any back channel negotiation that you're aware of hinted at or or confirmed that's going on whether it's in geneva or kiev moscow washington wherever it might be is anybody talking to putin feelers are definitely being put out uh, for a negotiated settlement uh the problem is and the russians have said it straight up <clears throat> we're willing to negotiate i don't know why they're willing to negotiate but maybe they like peace uh 
you know, if if I were a Russian at this point in time, I'd just have Genghis Khan hat on and say, no, we're going to we're going to war. But the Russians are like, we would like to end this thing peacefully, but it has to be on our terms. You can't sit here as at the moment we have swamped Ukraine, the moment we sacrificed everything to get to this point, And now you want to tell us that in order to have peace, we have to retreat, give up territories, et cetera, will never happen. So they're speaking different languages. You can't come to a negotiating table when you're speaking totally different languages. At some point in time, Ukraine is going to have to learn how to speak Russian. And when they do that, and I don't mean literally, I mean, accept the Russian reality. And right. then and only then will there be a negotiated settlement. Just uh, an hour or so ago, uh, Ukrainian President Zelensky uh, gave an interview to the BBC in which he basically says, hang on to your seat while you watch this. He basically says, compromise is not a bad thing. We all compromise, but no compromise with Putin. Take a listen. Сьогодні наше виживання, наше єднання, і воно одна ціль, ми йдемо до Європи. Україна обрала цей шлях. Все це неможливо втратити. Україна хоче безпекових гарантій. Всі ми хочемо, ми об'єднані. Тому будь-які компроміси територіальні, вони будуть тільки послаблювати нашу державу. Питання ж не в слові компроміс. Чого його боятися? У нас мільйон компромісів в житті. Вони щоденно відбуваються. Питання з ким? Компроміс з Путіним? Ні. Чому? Бо немає віри. Компроміс – добре, але не буде компроміс з Путіним. Це відбування його демайзу. Перше, я не знаю, що більшість аудіенців знають це that uh, Zelensky is a native Russian speaker. That's what that's the language he spoke growing up. Um, and this is the most forced Ukrainian I've ever heard of anybody. That shows you how artificial this is. This is a Ukrainian president who can't speak Ukrainian, who's trying to speak Ukrainian, and it just sounds fake like every part of his text. Uh, I, you know, he can live in fantasy all he wants right now, but soon reality will come crashing home. And you know, look, Adolf Hitler in his bunker had flights of fantasy, too, about how he was going to win, compel surrender. Roosevelt died, suddenly a great victory. Um, in the end, he put a bolt in his head because it was all over. Hey, Zelensky, it's all over, dude. I don't, I'm not asking you to put a bullet in your head, but you might want to, like, leave. I mean, what will it take for them to uh, recognize it? Uh, Chris uh, Cuomo, whom I've known for years, he used to work at Fox and then ABC and then CNN, is now at a network called News Nation, uh, did a compelling interview uh, with uh, Russia, with Ukrainian conscripts who were 16 and 17 years old. Uh, he interviewed one who was pretty fluent in English, who said he had already been to the front lines and had seen the blood and gore, but was uh, undeterred by it. Um, it is, uh, do the Ukraines conscript high school males is this how desperate they are? It, it appears so. I mean, again, I, I've heard about it. I, I can't say that I've borne direct witness to it, nor have I seen the formal um, announcements on this wave of mobilization for 16-year-old children. But I have heard those reports, and I don't doubt uh, Chris Cuomo's reporting. Next to um, uh, Secretary of Defense Austin is uh, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, I think this will anger you substantially. 
And I'll tell you the bottom line is now, so that your blood pressure is ready for the clip we're going to run for you, Russia has already lost. Right. Take a listen. NATO and this coalition has never been stronger. And Russia is now a global pariah. And the world remains inspired by Ukrainian bravery and resilience. In short, Russia has lost. They've lost strategically, operationally, and tactically. And they are paying an enormous price on the battlefield. So first, address the substance of what he said. And then you probably have some comments on his tone and word choice. And then we can analyze why he's saying this when he knows it's not true and it's 180 degrees from what he said four months ago. Well, first of all, uh, General Miley, if you're listening, um, let me introduce you to the concept of strategic. Strategic goes beyond the battlefield. You know that, General. You're a general. Um, things like the economy, things like geopolitics, uh, the economy. It ain't the Russian economy that's suffering, General. It's the Western economy that's suffering. Go talk to some economic experts. They do exist in the, in the, in the Joint Chiefs, and they will tell you that the Russian economy didn't contract as much as everybody thought it would because of the most stringent sanctions in the world, and next year it's going to grow. So your sanctions have failed. That's a strategic win for Russia. Uh, you say they're a global pariah. Why don't you send one of your defense attaches to follow uh, Sergei Lavrov around as he went to Africa and he goes around the world where he's received with open arms by people who reject America's vision of diplomacy? That's a political one, a geopolitical one. Russia's kicking your butt strategically, General, literally. I mean, we can go into the fact that the Russian military has expanded to 1.5 million, defense industries running all on cylinders, and you can't produce any damn artillery shells. You're pathetic, General. Now let's talk about operational tactical. I'll just make it this easy for you, General. When you don't have artillery, you don't win operationally or tactically. Russia has a lot of artillery, a lot of ammunition. We don't. You don't. Talk to your general who's in command of the U.S. forces in Europe and NATO forces. He just said, we can't fight this fight. We can't. We don't know how. We're not equipped. We're not trained. This is of a scope and scale beyond anything we've ever imagined, and we don't have the military to do it. <laughs> so how incompetent is the Biden administration if the secretary general uh, of uh, NATO says we don't have the, um, the ammunition, we can't even produce it, much less sell it or uh, give it to you, uh, the Secretary of Defense says, we're with you no matter what. The Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff says, don't worry, you've already won because Russia's already lost. And all of this, or, or at least the last two, is defied by reality. Does the Biden administration know what it's doing? Is Does Mark Milley, General Milley, believe what he said, or is he just mouthing uh, the Oval Office's talking points? To answer this question, we're going to go in a time machine back to July of 2021 when Joe Biden got on the phone with Ashraf Ghani, who's the president of then Afghanistan. And the president of Afghanistan said, hey, Joe, we got 20 to 30,000 screaming Mimi Taliban coming over the border. We ain't got nothing to stop. The world's coming to win. What are you going to do about it? And Biden said, whoa, 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 stop. I need you to get your guy on TV and tell everybody everything is going to be okay even if it's not true. That's a direct quote from the president of the United States. Even if it's not true, we must shape the perception. This was in July. In August, we had the Kabul nightmare flying out, retreat. It was all over. This is after 20 years of generals like Mark Miley parading before Congress, lying through their teeth about how we're winning in Afghanistan, we can prevail in Afghanistan, et cetera. 
Mark Miley, you're a liar. And you know you're a liar, but you're obeying orders because you've been told at, by Joe Biden to manage perception, to lie, say things, even if you know they're not true, to shape perception. But at some point in time, perception hits reality. And that's about to happen. What what happens when um, an otherwise respected, very high ranking, he's the very senior military ranking. person in the United States, uh, is told to lie and he doesn't want to tell a lie? What does he do? Resign? Well, he should. <laughs> he should resign. He should take the four stars off, throw it on the table and say, hell no. But what he's doing, and, and then what should happen is everybody after is the president goes, okay, leave. Next general comes up. I appoint you. I ain't going to lie either. And it should go all the way down the rank. Everybody says, we're not playing that game, Mr. President. You are the civilian leader. You need to go out and tell the truth to the American people. But you're not going to hide behind my four stars, my medals, my career to shape perception when it's not true. But that exposes the absolute lack of integrity in Mark Miley. Absolute right. lack of integrity. He's saying things he knows isn't true. Switching gears. Uh, to the uh, destruction of the Nord Stream uh, pipeline by American uh, Navy SEALs and American CIA at Joe Biden's uh, orders. You and I both have, you know, you've known for 30 or 40 years, Cy Hirsch, uh, don't get mad at me, Bob Woodward, the best investigative reporter in the United States of America, Me Lai, Massacre, uh, Watergate, spy, domestic spying, American torture. Pulitzer Prize, uh, notoriously known for meticulously documenting everything he says. Yeah. Um, not a peep out of mainstream media. Not a peep out of Germany, which lost uh, the natural gas supply and whose property, along with Gazprom's, uh, was destroyed. I think the mainstream media and the German um, uh, civilian leadership was humiliated that they learned about this from Cy Hirsch, not from, uh, not from the American um, administration. I referred to this in my column this morning called War and Indifference as a war crime, as the use of the military to attack a civilian target for no bona fide moral military uh, purpose. And I get a lot of uh, negative and much positive feedback on this. Where do you stand? Look, the United States committed an act of war against an ally. We stabbed an ally in the back. It's an economic Pearl Harbor. It was an attack on a critical piece of uh, energy infrastructure without warning. Oh, I, actually, with warning. I guess Joe Biden admitted that he was going to do it before he did it. But um, they did it. They just they destroyed it. Um, the sad thing is that everybody knows we did it. <laughs> Literally, everybody knows we did it. Um, but the mainstream media has been silent. Cy Hirsch, again, I've known him for 25 years, and um, you know, I didn't know anything about this story before it was published. Normally, we, you know, we talk weekly, um, sometimes daily, depending on his mood. But uh, I had no clue this was happening until it was published, which is the way it should be. Uh, but he published his story because he recognized that this is perhaps one of the most important stories of of this era. This is a story that is resonating in Germany. He gave, he doesn't give a lot of interviews and he gave an interview to um, Berliner Zeitung, I think it was, and um, it's resonating. German politicians are waking up and this is the reality. This may, you know, the blowback from this, you know, cause this shows just the short sightedness of the Biden administration. We're gonna shut down Russian gas, replace it with American gas. But the Germans are waking up and the blowback could be A, 
Germany no longer is a member of NATO, why would you stay in a club that doesn't want you? Why would you stay in a club that stabs you in the back? B, America's military bases in Germany may be shut down. There's a lot of movement right now within German politicians to do just that. And if the German people get angry enough, that could happen. C, the end of the European Union. Germany wasn't just stabbed by the United States, but by Norway, by Denmark, by Sweden, by Poland, all who were winning of this. So Germany may say, we are going to resume our role as Europe's strongest economy, which means we're dumping the thing that weakens us the most, the euro. If it wasn't for Germany, there wouldn't be a euro. And they may go back to the Deutschmark, and that's the end of Europe. And then the United States is going to be left holding this empty bag wondering how the heck this happened. It happened because Joe Biden and his advisors, Jake Sullivan, Victoria Nuland, William Burns, and, um, and, and Tony Blinken are war criminals. War criminals, literal war criminals. But that's just international law. They also violated the Constitution of the United States of America with intent bypassing mandatory reporting requirements to Congress. This is an evil, evil administration because that's what evil is. When you violate the law to inflict harm on others without any legitimacy, and the goal here was to bring harm to the German people. Joe Biden knew that by blowing up this, uh, this infrastructure on the eve of what could have been a cold winter, thank goodness it wasn't. But it had been, there could have been dead Germans instead of just uncomfortable Germans. But he's destroyed an economy. He's put people out of work. This is Joe Biden, Mr. Scranton. I'm about jobs. My dad had a job. Well, you just put Germans out of work, Mr. President. You're evil. And all the people advising you are evil. And most mind-numbingly at all, you've handed Russia a strategic victory. Yes. You just made Russia look really, really good yes. in the eyes of the Germans. Yes. A couple of observations which are consistent with yours. The one person who told the truth about this from day one was President Putin. When the Biden administration said, Russia destroyed its own pipeline, Putin basically said, what are you, crazy? We all know the Americans did this. I'm sure their, their intel, which I guess did not detect the explosives down there uh, in June, but once they were detonated, their intel knew who did it. Second observation Every American president since Harry Truman, when the CIA was founded, has used the CIA as a secret, personal, private military. But this is probably the first time in American history that an American president has used the CIA and the military against an ally. So interesting. Article 5 of the NATO treaty says when any member of NATO is attacked, all the other members will come to its defense. I guess they didn't contemplate that the attack would come from within NATO. No, you're, you're right. Look, this shows the, the absolute... Um, uh, NATO no longer has a, a reason to exist. It hasn't had a reason to exist since the Cold War ended. But now that NATO has become... NATO, this has exposed the fact that NATO is nothing more than a tool of the United States and that the United States is willing to actually break the tool when necessary. If you're a member of NATO right now, you need, again, I'm going to just say it straight up. The number one threat to NATO is the United States of America. We just attacked Germany. And if you think that's it, you don't think that we would attack others to suit our needs. NATO doesn't help anybody unless it helps America. And when Germany became inconvenient because it wanted to have cheap Russian gas, we stabbed them in the back. A couple of... Um, uh 
a couple of people that email us and we get many, 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 many emails or messages, I guess is the exact word uh, when you're on. Uh, just want you to know how much they appreciate the, the courage, the tenacity uh, and, the, and the logic with which uh, you explain all these things, Scott, with, uh, with much gratitude and of course, personal appreciation from me as well. Well, thank you very much. And thanks again for giving me the opportunity to speak with you and your audience. I, I just wish General Milley could hear this. I wish he could see it because he knows your reputation for honesty is second to none. Well, again, he's in a difficult position, but it's sometimes, you know, that's how you judge a man of character that when, or a woman of character, a person of character, that when the going gets tough, they do the right thing. And right yes. now I'm afraid that General Milley is not doing the right thing. Scott Ritter, thank you so much. More as we get it, my dear friends. Judge Napolitano for judging freedom.